Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. This morning, uh, as we begin, uh, we want to go to have a word of prayer, but I want to share scripture with you first. The title of this morning's message is Chosen chosen and you need to realize that you have been chosen for such a time as this first thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4 reads and i'm reading from the new living translation for this particular passage it says we know dear brothers and sisters that god loves you and has chosen you to be his own people do you know that god loves you not just intellectually But do you know that by revelation? Have you experienced, have you encountered his love? Well, he does love you. And he's chosen you. He's chosen you to be his own people. So we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to share some other things that I believe will challenge you, encourage you, and empower you in your journey and walk with God. So let's join our faith together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we are so honored to be able to come before you. And Father, we posture ourselves in a a place where we can receive the truth of your word in a way, Father, that it can impact our hearts and lives to renew our minds. Father, I thank you for everyone here today and those that have tuned in from our online campus. Lord, that you would speak a word, Father, that is impactful for this time and season in our lives. And Father, I pray that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in our midst and to move among us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, we've been declaring 2023 as a year of fulfillment. And uh, I believe that God is, is doing some amazing things and he wants to bring some things to fruition in your life. It's really the heart of God and his desire that we live lives of fulfillment. Now, that might be hard for some because maybe you've experienced despair. Maybe you've experienced hardship. But even regardless of hardship and difficulty, God's plan is to bring fulfillment in your life. And so we can actually endure, come through, and rise up in the midst of even insurmountable odds because God wants to bring fulfillment of his promises to his people. And I believe that, well, actually, just to kind of recap a little bit what we've been sharing this month, last year's theme at Refuge was the promises of God. And what we did last year, throughout the course of the year, we intentionally set out to discover, believe, and receive what he's promised us in his word. When we look In the Bible, we see countless promises here that relate to every situation or circumstance that you may endure or go through. And there's a promise for every problem. And I believe that we've learned that for every problem we face, God's given us a promise to embrace. And I believe with that promise, there's a process that brings that promise to fulfillment so it can be realized and experienced in our lives. And so as we uh, look to the word again, I want you to turn to 2 Samuel twenty-two, twenty-one. 2 Samuel twenty-two, twenty-one, 21. 2 Samuel 
And let me ask you this question. Are you convinced that we serve a God who keeps his promises? We don't serve a God who breaks his promises. We serve a God who keeps his promises. And there's two verses in the Bible that are written identically. Uh, they say the same thing. It's 2 Samuel 22, 31. We'll look at that, and we'll look at the other one in Psalms in a moment. And it declares, God's way is perfect. You can't mess it up, right? His way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. Now, this was David, King David's song of deliverance that is declared in Samuel. And it's also recorded in Psalms chapter 18, verse 30. And let's look at it again because to see it twice in the scripture is meaningful because it carries a greater weight when something has to be repeated, right? Uh, when you were growing up and, and your mom or dad had to repeat themselves, how many of you know that you better listen, right? And so you better listen, people, because God is saying this a second time. So Psalms 18 verse 30 says, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He's a shield for all who look to him for protection. Now, I want you to, for a moment, consider this. Can you see the promise through the eyes of the promise keeper? See, if you would, for a moment, this from God's standpoint. The God of promises who is making a promise to you. To see the promise through the eyes of the promise keeper. He sees fulfillment of his promises in our lives. He sees the future or the end from the beginning. And I believe he fully intends to keep his promises. No doubt. Okay, so just wanted to encourage you with that and asking you this question, what promise are you believing God for to be fulfilled in your life? Maybe there's specific things for this year that you've been praying, you've been, been believing God for, and maybe for some of you it's just to, to have his peace at a whole nother level when you're dealing with circumstances and situations that are trying to rob you of your peace, okay? Or maybe it's uh, other things like you're looking at being settled in a, in a secure job or being settled in a a permanent home or different things that maybe now are kind of iffy, but God wants to fulfill his promises to you. And, and I believe for every need, you can seek and search the scriptures and you'll find a promise that will meet your need and meet you right where you're at. We are moving from receiving the promise to the fulfillment of the promise. And 2 Corinthians 1.20, this was a scripture we looked at last year, but I love it how it's spoken in the New Living Translation. Uh, I'm just, right now, just to let you know, I'm sharing a lot of verses in the NLT because I'm currently reading through that particular version of the Bible. Uh, I read, and, and I'm not trying to brag of myself, but I read eight chapters a day of the scriptures. And I, I take notes, notations of what I'm reading. And so that means I read the Bible through two and a half times a year, okay? And each time I read a different version. And so I keep switching it up. So I'm looking at reading uh, different versions of the Bible and uh, digging in and studying it from different standpoints. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians 1.20, in the New Living Translation, it reads this way. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. 
And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Amen. Now, isn't that good? Now, understand this in, in the context of what's written. The promises are waiting for your amen, for your agreement, for your yes. And we can experience the fulfillment of God's promises when we are united with Jesus Christ in right relationship with him because they're fulfilled in him. So if you're in him, then you can experience the fulfillment of what he's promised. I believe that Jesus Christ is the greatest promise we could ever receive. He gave himself to us. And, and it's great to, have, uh, to know somebody, but the greatest gift is when they give themselves to you. Jesus gave himself to us. In Romans 8.32, the scripture says, and this is referring from God's vantage point, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In other words, if God gave us Jesus, he will hold nothing else back for what we need. Because he gave us the best. Amen? We have Jesus. He's part of our life. And I tell you what, that's, that's significant. And we don't merely seek the promises of God, but we seek the God of the promises. And we should not serve God merely for what he can do for us, should we? Um, but we should serve him because who he is to us. Amen? Uh, to personally engage with him for who he is. I want to know God for who he is, not just what he can do for me. And the same holds true for all of us. Uh, it's interesting because uh, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and, and he said, who do men say that I am? And somebody said, well, some say Elijah the prophet, some say John the Baptist may be raised from the dead or you know, some say some other prophet, some other teacher. And then Jesus turned that question and said, who do you say that I am? And Peter was the one that spoke up. And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Let me ask you that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he the Christ, the son of the living God? Is he your Lord? And your Savior, a number of years ago, there was a, a, a man uh, that, uh, this uh, happened years ago, uh, in front of the store there, it used to be a grocery store, they tore that building down, built a, a gas station there, and, you know, a convenience store and all that, and the, have you ever heard of the Moonies, a cultic religion, and there was a couple of Moonies that sat out there selling flowers, to raise support for their mission. And so one time I walked over there and I engaged conversation just to find out where they were and I let them know I was a pastor and I actually invited them to come and meet with me in my office. And so we had a conversation. I began to share the gospel. They shared their take on everything. And so I asked them that question, who is Jesus Christ to you? And one of them said, well, he was a great teacher. I mean, kind of like what we just uh, what we see in, in Matthew 16. Another guy said, well, he was a prophet. And 
Then I said, well, let me tell you who, G who Jesus is to me. And I began to share, Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, my Deliverer, my Healer. And I began to just share. And as I was speaking, the anointing of God came. And they were just kind of like, who is this Jesus? You know? and, and so then I prayed for them that they would come to know the Jesus I knew. And, and in that moment, I don't know if they received it or not, but I certainly did my part to be a witness for Jesus Christ to those two young men. And so I believe that we are all a witness to testify of who Jesus is to us when we make him personal in our life, not just as a religious icon or a religious figure, but a personal Lord and Savior who we can encounter and know in a significant and meaningful way. So now last week we talked about total commitment. And I tell you what, uh, I hope you caught hold of that phrase. Total commitment produces total fulfillment. Um, now, many of you, I believe, were challenged to make a total commitment to Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to have you raise your hand. How many of you did? You accept that challenge. Lord, I'm going to totally commit my life to you. Because you'll never be fulfilled in your relationship with God until you are totally committed to him. You'll never be totally fulfilled in your relationship with your spouse until you're totally committed to them, okay? And so that principle carries over in our relationship to God. Now, let me ask you, if you made that commitment last week, how many of you were tested and challenged? Because any commitment we make to God is going to be contested by the enemy, and so maybe you were tempted. Maybe you messed up this past week and you're thinking, oh, I just made this total commitment to God. Now I'm dealing with all this junk in my life, okay? Now, guess what? I have some good news for you. Because in, in Proverbs 24, 16, the scripture says, the, and I, I don't have this on a slide for you, but you can just listen. Um, the righteous person falls seven times and ri rises up again. In other words, it, it doesn't say, of the righteous person or the good person, the godly person never falls. It says when they fall, they get up. Maybe you messed up this week. Maybe you messed up royally. Get up again with that determination. Why? Because you made a total commitment to follow Jesus, a total commitment to serve him. So you need to be big enough to get up again and, and go at this thing with God's grace, with his help. Um, and I tell you, it's like learning to ride a bike. If a young person is committed to learning how to ride a bike, they're going to fall. How many of you, when you were learning how to ride a bike, you, you fell a few times? I can remember when dad took the training wheels off. Oh, no. Now, with our kids, I can remember. I think it was Mackenzie. <laughs> Where's Mackenzie? She was up here singing a little bit ago. Um, I took the training wheels off, and, and I'm working with her to learn how to ride a bike. She went in the garage and tried to put the training wheels back on, except, <laughs> except she didn't do it quite right, so she gets out there, one falls off, and she goes over anyway, okay? <laughs> so, but, you know, you're going to fall, you're going to mess up, but get up again. And I believe, you know, as a parent, you know, I can remember, you know, kids going down, hitting the, and we usually had them ride the bike on the lawn, so it was a more of a softer fall, not on the concrete, you know. And so 
uh, and they would get up again, okay, let's go after it again. I was encouraged as a parent when they had determination to master that two-wheeler bike. And finally, they did. All of them did successfully. And um, so, yeah. All right. <laughs> True commitment, let me tell you this, is proven in the time of testing. Anyone can say they're committed, but it will be proven by the actions when the test comes. And, and so get up again. We closed the service last week with Second Chronicles 16.9. And the New Living Translation reads, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. Think about this. His eyes are searching the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. If your hearts are fully committed to him, he's looking for you to strengthen you, to empower you. It goes on to say, uh, what a fool you've been. From now on, you'll be at war. And, and that's in reference to King Asa because he, he failed to continue to look to the Lord and trust in him. He was trusting in himself. It's foolish, according to this passage, to not be fully committed to Jesus Christ. It's a foolish action. So my encouragement will always be fully commit to him, fully surrender to him. You'll not be disappointed. You will not regret that decision, but it will be contested. It will be challenged. So let's talk about The Chosen. How many of you have uh, watched the Chosen TV series at all? Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's actually the first ever multi-season series about the life of Christ. In fact, it's currently in the third season, and it's directed and co-written by Christian filmmaker Dallas Jenkins, uh, and it's pri primarily set in the region of Judea and Galilee in the timing of the first century, and, and the series really centers on Jesus and the different people who met him and followed him. So if you haven't uh, you know, it's, it's great entertainment. There's a lot of stuff that you shouldn't be watching, but that's something you should be watching, okay? All right, and so today we want to look at the Apostle Paul and how God chose him and consider the principles that also apply to us in his choosing us. Now, Paul was actually considered, he considered himself as the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy 1.15. And why? Because he persecuted the church with a passion that superseded his contemporaries. Uh, Paul was passionately opposed to Christianity, and he was like the number one threat to a Christian or to a believer in his day. Now, his conversion actually occurred when he was on a mission to persecute believers of Jesus. And so he was willing to travel far and wide to stop the spread of Christianity, okay? Now, I think about Paul's conversion and why he had such an amazing encounter with God because God arrested him on, his, on the road to Damascus. And the reason I believe he had such a powerful encounter with God is because every believer was probably praying for his salvation, okay? If there's somebody that's a threat to you, if there's somebody that you don't like that's giving you a hard time, pray for their salvation and God will get a hold of them, Amen. So it's not, God's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance, okay? And so the backdrop of the Apostle Paul's conversion, we see 
uh, in Jerusalem. We see mention of him in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, at the stoning of Stephen. He was, Stephen was the first martyr of the church. And so everybody's picking up these rocks and they're throwing them at uh, St- Stephen. And, you know, uh, Paul is holding all the garments, all the coats, uh, while everyone else is stoning this guy. And so he's witnessing the death of this believer and the glory of God is shining on uh, Stephen's face. And um, so he witnesses that. He participates in the persecution of the Jerusalem church. In Acts chapter 8, we see that in the beginning, verses 1 through 4. Then he receives authority from the high priest to go to to Damascus to persecute Christians there. We see that in Acts chapter 9. And then he's confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus in a life-changing encounter. We see that a little bit later in Acts 9, and it's also mentioned in Acts 22, and also, um, yeah, in 26 as well. So he's ministered by um, Ananias of Damascus uh, when he, you know, after his conversion. And so we want to take it up from Acts chapter 9, and we'll be looking at verse 13 through 15 here. Let's look at that if you want to turn there. And I'm reading here from the English Standard Version. Acts chapter 9, verses 13 through 15. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. So God speaks to Ananias and said, I want you to go pray for this guy whose name is Saul. His name was later changed to Paul. And, and you know, Ananias is saying, what, Lord? Uh, you know who this guy is. And of course God knew who he was, right? And verse 14 says, And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Notice, God said he's a chosen instrument of mine. This rascal called Paul, this guy who's having Christians arrested and then they're sentenced and put to death. This guy's a bad dude. But Lord, he's your chosen instrument. I can imagine Ananias had a a conflict with that. But he was obedient and then he went to where Saul was at that time. And in Acts 22, 14 and 15, we'll pick it up from there. And this is what I really want to focus on on this particular uh, these two verses, Acts 22, 14, and 15. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you've seen and heard. So there's three things that this word is spoken, that the word spoken over, of, over Paul at this time. Now, it's interesting that English Standard Version, for the word chosen, it says the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will. So the word appointed is there as well as in the verse we just read, chosen. Now, in the, another translation says designated where chosen is related to designated. 
And then the message Bible says, then the God of our ancestors has handpicked you to be briefed on his plan of action. But chosen and appointed are the most frequently used words in, in various translations of the Bible. Now, there's a personal application of this passage of Scripture that I want you to consider this morning. Now, let me just tell you that sometimes people are slow to understand God's plan and may even resist it. And uh, so don't be one of those that resist God's plan. But I believe God wants to give you understanding of his plan. And a person's past, realize, does not matter to the, to the Lord as much as their future. So God is more interested in your future today than your past. He has forgiveness concerning your past. He has redemption concerning your past. And, and if you can't move, your, move past your past, you won't enter the future that God has for you. Because so many times people are hung up by their past. They're using the past as an excuse not to do something for God. They're using the past as a reason to, to stay stuck in the place that they are. But God wants to unstuck you today to get you to move into the future that he's planned and prepared for you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So the Greek word for chosen in Acts 22.14 is a word that I cannot pronounce. So I won't even make an attempt to pronounce it. I can spell it for you. It's P-R-O-C-H-E-I-R-I-Z-O. So you pronounce that. I'm not going to do it. But it means to put into the hand, to take into one's hand, hence to determine, to appoint, to choose, to elect. So that's the meaning of the Greek word used here for chosen. Now know this, and I want to give you a reference we see in 1 Peter 2.9. Because this, I believe, is a broad verse for the church, for believers in Jesus Christ. And this is something that applies to everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, to everyone that has received and embraced Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 1 Peter 2.9 declares in the New King James Version, but you are a chosen generation. I'm speaking this to you today, the people of Refuge, online campus. You are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a powerful declaration over the church. This applies to all of us. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, and our mission is to proclaim the praises of him, the praises of Jesus and God, who called us out of darkness and brought us into the light. All right? Now, you are a chosen people. Acts 22, 14, and 15 was, I believe, God's word to the Apostle Paul. And it's a word in principle that applies to you and me as well. So I got three points for you that we see in this passage in Acts 22, 14, and 15, God has chosen or appointed you, first of all, number one, to know his will. To know his will. You can know the will of God for your life. In fact, his general will is revealed through his word, through the scriptures, and his specific will is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay? 
And so there's two aspects, his general will, which is his word, and his specific will, which has to do with your calling, the uniqueness of, of what he has you accomplish in this earth. Because each of you have a purpose, a design by God, and an assignment to accomplish in this earth. And, and the sad thing is, so many people live their life without ever discovering the purpose of God for their life. And they just kind of go through the, you know, life, they bounce around, they do whatever, but they never really truly discover the purpose that God created them for. And, and that's my challenge to you. You need to discover your purpose. And God will reveal it. He'll make it known to you when you seek him, when you ask him. Some people don't, know what, don't want to know what the, his purpose is for their life because uh, uh, he may make you go to Africa. You know, <laughs> Hey, Africa's not a bad place. I've been there many times. But I, I can remember some people saying, no, I don't know if I want to surrender to the will of God. He might make me a preacher like you. I said, hey, hey what's, that's not so bad. You know? <laughs> um, but don't ever be afraid of what that might look like. That is the calling of God for your life. But if you come to the place of surrender, you will find fulfillment in living out what he created and designed you for. Okay? Now, so to know his will. Oh, wow. How many of you want to know his will? Oh, my. I want to know his will. I want it to be revealed in a way that can, can assure me that I'm on the right path. Uh, concerning the calling here, we just celebrated 39 years, my anniversary, when we uh, launched the church. And I can remember when I was in, living in Oklahoma and wanting to know the will of God for my life. I knew I was called. I knew I was going to be a pastor somewhere. I was looking for places out west in different places, and I got a phone call from my mom, and she said, Matt, uh, did you know what Bernice told me? Now, Bernice was this prayer warrior that lived in the area. I knew her and her family, and a, a, a beautiful saint, just somebody that was always sharing the Lord. You know, she always had a word of encouragement. Bernice Sikorsky, love that woman. Her sister, Dolores Dudas, uh, still alive, still a member of the church. And uh, what a blessing. Those two ladies would get together and pray. And my mom said, you know what Dolores told me? And I said, what? You want to know what she told me? <laughs> or told my mom? said, she believes that God spoke to her that you're supposed to return to Stevens Point and plant a church. And I said, I don't think that's happening, Mom. <laughs> and it bothered me, and I tried to ignore it. Pretend I never heard that, okay? And so I finally called Bernice, and I said, Bernice, what is this that you think God spoke to you? And she told me, yeah, I believe you're supposed to come and plant a church. And I said, Bernice, why would God tell you before he would tell me? That doesn't make sense. She paused a moment, and she said, probably because you're not listening. Oh, boy. Uh, she had me there. I said, okay. Well, I wasn't open to it. I could tell you that. And because I grew up here, and people knew me, and I, I just thought, I'm, I'm not going to be successful if I'd go there anyway. But so she said, I tell you what. Uh, the next time you come home, I'll gather some people in my home, and you can preach to them. I said, fair enough. Okay. So August of 83, that happened. I came to visit the family, spent some time with them. She gathered about 20 or so people in her home. And I'm sitting there, and I begin to minister the word. 
And I tell you what, as I'm ministering to these people, there's, there's a couple things that I knew in that moment. These people, they were kind of like misfits from, because they didn't seem to fit in any church. Uh, and they were part of a church that had dissolved a couple years before. And so they were just kind of here and there and everywhere. And, and I, I, the first thing I realized, they definitely need a pastor. But I, I was like, but I'm not it. <laughs> I'm not him. And then the second thing is that God did in me, he gave me a supernatural love for those people. As I looked at them, something supernatural happened to me where I saw them with the love of God. And there was a connection that happened then that I could not ignore. And so I went back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was living down there at the time. And after about two weeks, intently praying, God, what do you have? God spoke to me and assured me that, yes, he wanted me to return to Stevens Point and plant this church. And, and then from that point on, I said, okay, Lord, if this is you, I want you to confirm it with confirming witnesses. I need to know that I know that I know this is your will. Like I know my name, I know my address, I know my phone number. I need to know with that level of knowing, okay? And so over the next couple of months, the Lord continued to impress it on my mind and my heart to the point where I no longer doubted or questioned it. And, and the reason I had to do that, to really know his will at that level, because if I would have came here and started the church and then things started going haywire and there were problems and challenges, I know me, I would have begun to question the will of God. I would have begun to question, Lord, did I miss it? Was it really you? Was I really supposed to come here? But over 39 years in one week, not one time did I ever have to question, Lord, is this your will for my life? Never been a question, never been a thought, because back then, I was convinced God made it real to me, so I never had the doubt at that level. And I personally believe if God did that for me concerning knowing his will for your life, he'll do that for you so that you won't have to ever question it. He'll make it that real. He'll make it that clear. He'll make it that plain to you so that you know you can step in to the will of God and live it out. Now, the will of God for you may look different than the will of God for me or from the person sitting next to you. And so here's a scripture, Psalms 5.8. And this is the psalmist's prayer. He said, lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. And enemies can, can mean other things other than just somebody with, that's out to get you and destroy your life. There's things that are enemies to us and to our walk with God. Notice it says, make your way plain for me to follow. Make it plain. Make it clear so I can understand it. So... Point number two, the second thing we see in Acts 22, 14, and 15, to see the just one. God has appointed you to know his will, to see the just one or the righteous one, which is Jesus. So that's simply to have a revelation of who Jesus is. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, this is a prayer you can pray for yourself. This is a prayer you can pray for others. This is the prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the believers at Ephesus. And this is how the prayer goes, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And what are the riches 
of his glorious of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Realize that God wants you to have a revelation of who he is and a revelation of the calling upon your life. Jesus is longing to make himself real to you. He really is. That's the thing that intrigued me about Christianity when my, my older brother shared the gospel with me, that Jesus could become personal and real in my life. That was foreign. That was a foreign concept to me. I, I didn't think that could happen until I surrendered my heart to Jesus Christ and made him the Lord of my life. He became real, and he'll become real in your life if you allow him to. And so the third point here we see is to hear his voice. God has appointed you to know his will, to see the just one, and to hear his voice, to hear him speak to you. And, and I just want to read that again, how it reads it in that version. The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. How many of you want to hear the voice of his mouth? Now, he speaks to us in, in many ways. And many times it's not audible. There's only been a couple of times where I felt like I heard God's audible voice. And, be, and I looked around and no one else was there, but I know I heard him speak. And, uh, and I, I'll, another time I'll, I'll share that with you, but not today. So what we see about hearing his voice, I believe the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. He will speak to you from the pages of the Bible. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will quicken the truth you read in the Bible, and God will speak to you through that. How many of you, you ever felt like God spoke to you through the Bible? Yeah, that's his word. That's his message to you. It's no different than like if I write a letter to my wife and, and she reads, that's all my words. It's, I'm trying to communicate to her something or send her a text. And sometimes my texts get messed up because my, I have too many thumbs, I guess. Anyway, um, so a couple of verses here. Psalms 29 verse 4, it says, The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. When you know God has spoken, that's a powerful thing in our life. And another scripture here, I'm going to share a couple of passages also relating to hearing his voice. Hebrews 3, 7, and 8, this is kind of a warning. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. And that reflects back to the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness and they were rebelling against the things of God. So today, if God speaks to you, don't harden your hearts against it. Don't just say, no, I'm not going to believe that. Be open to what he wants to speak into your life. Eight times in the book of Revelation, the scripture talks about hearing his voice. And Revelation 2.29 is one of them. And you can see it on the slide here. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now realize it's simply saying you need to have a listening ear. You can have an ear. That doesn't mean you're going to hear. But you need to determine that you're going to listen to what God is saying. And I personally believe that God has something to say to you if you take time to listen. If you take time to wait in this presence, Lord, speak into my life. Speak into my life. 
And, and, and whatever comes, it can be tested. It can be tested by the word. It's not going to conflict with the word of God. If it's God, it's not going to go contrary to what is written in the Bible. And so that's a testing. Or if you think God's spoken something to you, talk to somebody in leadership, another believer, talk to your pastors and say, this is what I, I believe God is speaking to me. Is this right? Am I really hearing from God? Um, or was it too much pizza the night before? Okay. So... Revelation uh, 2.29, we just read that. And then John 10.27, I love this. Jesus is speaking. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Are you his sheep? Is he your good shepherd? That's a declaration from the mouth of Jesus, his, what he's spoken. If you're one of his sheep, then you will hear his voice. And... You'll follow him. And, and I've seen that firsthand in, in Israel, seeing the shepherd and when he speaks and how the, the sheep lifted their heads and he's, he walked the sheep, followed the shepherd. And if you've raised sheep, then you know what I'm talking about. So, so God chose you to know, to see, and to hear. Um, one of the things I want to address here in... in, in in just a moment, the worship team is going to come up here. But Matthew 22, verse 14, because I think sometimes people get confused with this and they wonder uh, what the scripture is really saying. In Matthew 22, 14, it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So what makes the difference between the ones who are called and the ones who are chosen? Uh, the difference is this. The chosen are those who respond to the call. Because the call is to whosoever will, let them come. For example, um, let's say I gave a call for help, okay? Okay, we, we, we need help. We want to clear this platform. We want to take all the sound equipment and put it on the, the main level of the auditorium. Now, I know Sam would kind of freak out over that if I did that <laughs> right now. There's a lot of cords that would have to be unplugged and replugged in and all that. But if we just did that, I put the call out there, who will help me? Now, the call is for everyone in the auditorium. And I'm sure there'd be a few tough guys that would lift up their hand, maybe gals even, and say, I'll help, Pastor. And guess what? When you raise your hand, okay, I'll choose you, 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 all of you that raise your hand, come up. Why? Because you responded to the call. Many are called, but the reason few are chosen is because not everyone responds to the call. And so my charge to you this morning is, is to respond to the call of God in your life. He's calling out. He's calling out. Will you respond to that call? Now, the, the, the Greek word for this particular word chosen, many are chosen, is the word Ekletos, and it means to select by implication, favorite. And guess what? God can have more than one favorite. Strong's Concordance defines it as a chosen out, elect, choice, or to select. And, and we realize that the call is for everyone. In John 16, 37, it says, all that the Father gives me will come to me and whosoever or whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So we respond to the call. 
So as we bring this message to a close, I want to ask you the question, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through this message today? Romans 10.13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that word saved implies many things, saved from sin, delivered from oppression, delivered from bondage. It also implies healing, saved from sickness, disease. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in John 15, 16, I love this, and I'll close with this verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide or remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He chose you. Will you respond? At this time, I'm going to ask everyone just to bow your head and close your eyes because I know God is doing something in the auditorium here among the people. I trust that he's stirring your hearts to a response to him that will cause you to make an action to move towards him. And and he's looking and longing to do something significant in your life. I believe the first and foremost important issue is the issue of where your life is at with God. And have you made your peace with God? Because there becomes a moment in a person's life where they come to a place of realization that they're a sinner that needs a savior and they long to reconnect with God in his purpose for their life. Jesus came to save sinners. He came to bring redemption to all of humanity. Many are called. Not everyone is saved. The reason is because they've not responded to the call to salvation. And today, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God, and I'm willing to surrender my life to him today to receive him as my Lord, my Savior. I want to encounter him in a meaningful way. I want to allow him to become my Lord and my Savior. He came to die for you. He hung on that cross to bear your sin, your shame. He took the penalty and the sentence and the judgment of hell that was destined for you. He bore that himself. And when we receive him, then his grace allows us to escape the judgment that was destined for our life. So right now, on the count of three, if, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know that my life is right with God, but I'm willing to surrender and give my life to him today. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. One, two, three. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if, if you want to make your peace with God today, Jesus is here ready to meet you. 
to show himself strong on your behalf. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand up together. Thank you, Jesus. Now, at the end of the service, if you responded to that invitation, we're going to have a prayer team up here, and they're going to be available to pray with you. And as you begin your journey with God, there's some next steps that you need to take. Um, walking with God is a journey, but it's a journey that brings freedom. It's a journey that brings joy. It's a journey that brings fulfillment. You don't have to live oppressed under bondage. You don't have to live broken. You don't have to live in turmoil or heartache. God can fill the void, the emptiness of your life. And here today, I want to declare this over you because God has appointed you, every one of you, to know His will. To see the just one, the righteous one. And to hear the voice of His mouth. He has something to say to you. Let me pray. Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray for our online campus as well. That you meet them by the power of your spirit. To reveal your will. To make it known. Father, to reveal who you are in their life. And Father, to allow them to hear your voice. For they shall be a witness of what they will see and hear. Jesus' name. Father, I break the power of addiction in this place. I come against strongholds of confusion. Father, I pray for healing in the area of emotions. Father, we take authority over worry and the stronghold of fear. Father, I pray that faith would arise in the hearts of your people. Father, faith that brings victory faith that brings fulfillment of what you promised we declare that for 2023 the year of fulfillment of your promises for your people in the name of jesus we give you praise amen can we give the lord just a shout of praise hallelujah thank you jesus we honor you lord amen thank you so much for being so attentive to the word this morning. Let's worship him. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day.